0: To you and say Jesus is alive, and so are, you. Jesus is alive, so are you. Amen. Amen. So good to see so many living people because of Christ. Amen. Let me begin with a word of praise, a prayer today. Uh, Father, we welcome you in this place. Lord, we have Lord with our faith, with our open hearts, we want to experience and meet the risen Savior, Jesus Christ. We know that you are alive. We just want to know, Lord, your power. We want to understand your glory, your nature. So, Lord, let everything that you won on the cross and you won on this day of victory be given to us and may it be our inheritance. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So excited to be here today. Uh, Resurrection, the new and eternal temple. Go to the next slide there for us. So today we're talking about Jesus who was crucified for our sins on the cross on Friday. But on the third day, Jesus defeated the power of sin and death and was resurrected back to life. Coming out of the grave on this very day we celebrate. Giving us the proof that indeed Jesus is the Son of God. He is our one and only Savior, the Messiah. This is the best news That we understand because it offers to everyone who now believe in him, whosoever would believe in him also will live and never die. So therefore, this amazing resurrection of Jesus is something we want to examine today. You know, before Jesus resurrected from the dead, um, he wasn't the first to ever come back from the dead. Do you guys know that? In fact, before Jesus and even now for many, many areas and occasions, people have come back from the dead. But there's something different about Jesus' death. Why do we celebrate Jesus' resurrection and not all those people that died and then came back to life? What was different? There's something very different about it because think about it, in the history, we know that Jesus, before Jesus, many people came back from the dead, including Lazarus, right? Maybe a, some, um, a few months before Jesus went to the cross, Lazarus, who was dead. And well dead. I mean, he was for three days rotten, right? He was, he was decaying, decomposing, just, just the nasty stuff. And then Jesus said, Lazarus, come out. And he came out from the dead. And in the Old Testament, we have many instances such as the prophet Elijah. He raised the widow's son from Zarephath from the dead. His uh, pre, uh, successor, P- prophet Elisha, raised the Shunammite son from the dead. And Jesus raised the widow's son from nine in Luke 7. From the dead, In Luke 8, Jesus raises Jairus' daughter from the dead, and then remember in Matthew 27, as soon as it says that Jesus died and breathed his last breath on the cross, there's an earthquake opening up many tombs on the Good Friday, and then it says many saints that had died before came out of the grave appearing to people. So Jesus is not the first person to ever have come back from the dead. In fact, after Jesus, in Acts 9, Peter raises Tabitha from the dead in Acts 9. In Acts 20, Apostle Paul was preaching a little too long, a little longer than I I did. Okay, And then there was a man who was sitting, a young man named Eutychus, sitting by the window, and he dozed off and he actually fell and died. So imagine during worship service, Pastor England just won't stop preaching. And then, like, someone falls down and hits their head on a little piece of sharp something. What does Paul do? Oh, so sorry, guys, go home. Service is over. No, he goes down, runs downstairs, raises his back, and then service continues. And they start Holy communion like nothing happened. So, friends, there's a lot of people that have come back from the dead, okay? And I know that even in modern days, I've heard stories of missionaries who have seen people come back from the dead. That's a promise of God. So what makes Jesus so amazing? What makes his resurrection something that means something to us? All those people that raised from the dead, so what, right? It has no effect on me, but Jesus' resurrection means the world to me. So all these awesome and stories of resuscitation or reviving or, you know, coming back from the dead, they all experience the power of God in that moment, right? All the examples I gave you. But see all of their experience of the power of God to live again was all temporary. They all eventually died again. All those people, even though they've experienced the power of coming back from the dead, they're dead today. They're, they're nowhere to be found. But Jesus was the only one whose coming back from the dead was permanent. And so he did not die again and he's still alive and well right now, amen. and he will never die and therefore the death, the resurrection of Jesus gave us an eternal life. It is a victory of overcoming the death that is forever established. Because unlike any other human being who ever came back from the dead, Jesus alone was worthy, as, as Richard, Rich prayed for us today, he was a sacrifice chosen by God, and his mission was what? To confront our greatest enemy, our final enemy, death. And on the cross, he destroyed Sin and death once and for all. Therefore, therefore, sin could not conquer Jesus. I mean, sin and death could not conquer Jesus. But all those people who were revived eventually, their bodies have died and they're sleeping, as the Lord, as the Scripture says. This is why today we recognize and we celebrate that Jesus alone has the power to cause that same resurrection power to take place in you and me, and for every single human being in this world who believe in Him. Therefore, for us who believe in Jesus and have received this grace, when we die, we're not overtaken by death, but we overcome death and we continue into our lives, into eternity. Jesus is the way. So in remembering this amazing instance of the resurrection, we want to celebrate more than just Jesus coming back from the dead. That that itself is pretty amazing. I mean, if you really knew somebody who was dead for three days and came back, like, it will make the headlines. No matter what news station, they'll talk about it, right? Because, because again, many people have come, but then we're celebrating that Jesus is giving to you and me the same victory over sin and death and the freedom therein. Therefore, Jesus says in John 14, 19, because I live, you also will live. I am the resurrection and the life, the one who believes in me and, live and, and, and will live, and even though they die, whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? The Lord asks this day. The second thing I want to highlight about the death of the death and resurrection of Jesus is this: because the good news about Jesus' resurrection was not just another redo. God is not giving you a chance just to redo. Because I don't know if you guys have ever played video game or have ever seen. You know, movies where, you know, you get a redo, right? In, in the, in a, in a, I'm not a gamer myself, but the correct term is respawning. Anybody understand respawning? It's like your halo or your, you know, call of duty, and you're trying to do your thing, and you die, and what happens? You don't throw the game away. You come back to a place where you started last. But that's not what Jesus did. He didn't just give you a redo, an undo, control Z on the c- computer. But, in fact, when Jesus came into the grave, when he came out of the grave, he was something different. He was transformed. That's the second power of the cross and the resurrection is that more than it giving you power over sin, it changes you. That's why there's a, there's a, there's a uh, what's the thing, craze on Easter about eggs. Have you guys, who, uh, by the way, there's an echo I think somewhere. Um, who has planned to do egg hunting this week? Okay, who has not? Let me ask that. Who has not? Yeah, college, you guys. You guys are kind of like, yeah, whatever. Okay, okay, young people. But those have parents. Or those have kids, right? Y'all know what I'm talking about. Like Easter cannot happen without eggs. By the way, the bunny—it's that's not Christian symbol. Okay, bunny was actually the Ishtar. It was a different like fertility, sick symbol. So I'm sorry that you guys thought Easter bunny was Christian. It's not. Okay, but anyways, the egg is a sim- symbolism of this transformation that Jesus did in the resurrection. Because think about it. What's inside an egg is something very yolk, very gooey. It's called the yolk and the egg white. Uh, We've all eaten it. It's it's literally in everything, right? It's it's in bread. It's in everything. But that weird thing that when you look at it, it, it's dead. It's just like like a slime. You know, kids play with slime. But something amazing about the egg is that God has given it power that when the right conditions happen, something new comes out. Right? We thought that, oh, it's just an egg. And no, it, this is amazing, right? And that's why this represents what happened to Jesus. The Jesus that went into the grave as a, in the form of a sinful man, though he was sinless, he went as a broken man and, and broken up. But when he came out of the grave, he rose up as the Savior, as the Son of God, as, the, as, the, as Lord and God forever glorified. Therefore, just like that for us who believe in Jesus, before we believed and knew him, we were dead as sinners, right? Before we went to the cross and we gave our lives, we received the blessing of Jesus, the blood of Jesus washed us. We were dead as sinners. But then when we were raised up again, we were raised to life with Christ. Guess what? No longer as sinners and dead in our sin and slaves, but as children of God and as heirs of God and free as the word of God says. So therefore, in the resurrection, we're transformed into the new life not just redoing our life. God doesn't, it's great if he gives you a new chance. It's great if he gives a second chance, third chance, but he's given you more than a chance. He's giving you a new, brand new life. Another example is this, right? Uh, butterfly, the caterpillar, very ugly. In fact, most most of us, if you see it, we we'll run away, even though it's very slow. But then that thing goes through this process, again, a symbolism of God's power of life, that something beautiful, something completely different comes out of it and that's what Jesus wants to give you through his resurrection not only is it eternal life not only is it overcoming sin and death but he wants to give you a brand new life that you cannot recognize who you were before you were in Jesus Christ so friends the gift of Jesus Christ in this Easter is remembering that his life is eternal and his life is new for every single one of us can you turn to your neighbor and say this Look at your neighbor and look at them very well right in their eye and say, thanks to Jesus, you look eternal and new today. Yeah. Yeah, you got to use that on your pickup line. My, 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 my girl, you look eternal and you look new today because of Jesus. Okay. We ain't just getting a new uh, redo of our life, but something completely new and eternal. And the best news of all of this is that this is a gift of God. That's something we cannot forget today as we ponder on the power of resurrection is you and I did nothing. This forgiveness, freedom from sin, breaking the curse of death over your life, suffering on your behalf, you didn't even ask. You didn't even know you needed. Jesus says, no worries, I will do it for you. It's called the grace of God that was poured out for us. So here we go. This is a gift of God to mankind, and today we're able to receive it as a free blessing and benefit upon His work. That's why he's worthy. His love is amazing. His grace is amazing. just want to give you guys a few more words of examples of help you understand what really is happening to us as we receive the same power of resurrection. In the book of uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 16, Paul uses in the passage that we read today, he uses many words to describe this blessing and experience of following Jesus into the death and resurrection that for all of us who believe. And he says this. He says, in our body, it will be sown perishable. Right now, we're perishable, right? All of us have a, 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 a what's the word, expiration date. We're perishable. We're not, we're not cans. We're not, a, you know, a, I don't know. I don't know what's imperishable these days. Uh, mac and cheese, right? We, we, we perish. We're like fresh fruits. We just grow old and wrinkly and, you know, perish, right? But guess what? The Lord has promised and shown us that we'll be raised imperishable. Another way to describe resurrection is we're sown in dishonor, raised in glory. We're sown in weakness and raised in power. We're sown as a natural body, right? We're, 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 we're chemicals and all this, but we're raised a spiritual body. And it says, the first man was, a, was of the dust of the earth, all of us, but the second man is of heaven. In Adam all die, but in Christ all will be made alive. We clothe the mortal with the immortal. is the description of resurrection. If I may add, we were broken before we knew Jesus, but we're made whole we're slaves to sin but free now as God's child we're orphans but now we're in God's family what can you add to your life to describe your life about the resurrection is the resurrection alive in your life what can you say about your own life how the resurrection has impacted you maybe you can say before the resurrection I was cursed I was bound but now I'm blessed to be a blessing. I was lost, but I am found. And on and on and on, the benefits and the blessings of God through the resurrection are too many to count. But the best thing, again, is that it was by the grace of God. This is who God is at the the heart of who he is. We can rest assured. We can be in awe of what Jesus did, his suffering, but also his blessing us and is a gift that he has given us. Friends, before Jesus went to the cross, This is all we had. The message that we had was the law was telling us, do, do, do. But guess what? After the resurrection, the Lord said, it is finished. And now the grace of God says, it is done, done, done. Your blessing, your your resurrection, your your victory, your glory, your power, your riches, your your love, your uh, belongingness, your being found. It is something that has been already accomplished and has been given to you. Today we receive reminded of the greatest gift we received in his resurrection. But friends, I want to ask you guys, maybe there's a third one that maybe you might not understand of the meaning of the resurrection for us that we must take into our hearts today. Much of what I describe about Jesus' resurrection perhaps refers to maybe an experience that we will have. Many times, if people ask you, ask you a question, What is a resurrection in your life? Maybe many of us will say, you know what? I believe that when I die, I will be raised again, and I will move on into eternal life. But Jesus has offered us a change so much more than something to receive later. Yes, there's something to come. And Jesus says, we have a deposit of the Holy Spirit to guarantee what is come. We, in fact, we don't have to wait till we die to experience eternal life in heaven. Kingdom of God is here right now, and we get signs of God's alive power now. It could be literal resurrection. You could literally die and be resurrected as a sign of that promise. You could be healed. You could have a change of heart. All of these are signs of what is to come. But I want to ask you guys the question. When Jesus, this weekend, went to the cross, it was a choice he made. Have you ever wondered What was it that he also wanted to accomplish in your life? Jesus didn't just go to the cross because he was forced to, or he had no better option, or nothing else to do. He went there with purpose, intentionally, so something would happen. To understand this, I want to take you guys to John chapter 2. And as I read this story, I want you to think about uh, whether Jesus was able to keep all of his promises, In the book of John, the Gospel of John, chapter two, it says that when Jesus entered Jerusalem, we celebrate that last week at Palm Sunday. It says that in that last week, the writer of John says that Jesus went to the temple and that he did the infamous act. You know what I'm talking about? Is that he saw that in the temple there were coin changers, uh, 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 there were people who were selling doves and selling things, and it became a marketplace. So what does Jesus do is he takes a whip and he starts driving people out, overturn the table, and then it says the Jews then responded to him, what sign can you show us to prove your authority to do all this? I like it because I didn't connect the two, but the writer of John, or the other, other writers kind of put it in separate events, but John writes it that this was something before Jesus died. And then guess what Jesus says? Jesus answered them, destroy this temple, and I will raise it again in three days. I did not understand until recently the significance of what he did in this statement as he went to the cross. First of all, these are very dangerous words that Jesus says. Right, these are actually fighting words. He wasn't playing nice the last week of that he had before he went to the cross. Because don't you know, as we've as, as we've seen in the Old Testament the last few months, that how important the temple was, and now God is saying He's gonna blow up the most sacred thing, and He's gonna build it again. Well, guess what? The the people replied. They replied, it has taken forty six years to build this temple, and you're gonna raise it in three days. Well, guess what? This whole claim that Jesus makes caused a quiet to stir and comes to bite him a few days later when he's holding, when he's being held in trial for, for, uh, for crucifixion. In fact, people come and said, this man said, I'm able to destroy the temple of God and rebuild it in three days. That statement was not just a small statement. In fact, Jesus was, was making his goal clear. When he went to the cross and he knew and he was trusting the father to bring him back from the dead, he had a goal. He's saying, I'm going to build this temple again in fact when he's hanging on the cross a few books later a chapters later it says those who passed by hurled insults at him shaking their heads and saying you who are going to destroy the temple and build it in three days save yourself come down from the cross if you're the son of God do you guys see how important this statement and this mission of God was in the death and resurrection it kind of made him get crucified but the question I ask you today is, did he do it? Was he just speaking literally or figuratively or kind of just saying things off the top of his head? No, he really did it. Because look, going back to John 2, it says, after Jesus says, destroy this temple and I'll raise it again. And they replied, you know, it took 46 years. And he says, and you're going to raise it in three days. Look what he says. But the temple he had spoken of was his body. The resurrection of Jesus is the rebuilding of God's temple. And then he says, after he was raised from the dead, the disciples remembered, recalled what he had said, then they believed the scripture and the words that Jesus had spoken. Friends, to understand the full meaning of the resurrection, we have to today, just like the disciples, be awakened to this idea that God in the resurrection was rebuilding the temple of God. And friends, just like I said, Jesus' resurrection is your resurrection. His death and freedom from sin is your death and freedom from sin. Therefore, if Jesus became the new temple, what does that make you and I? The scripture answers, don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in you? This is the third, and I believe one of the more, most important aspects of the resurrection is his resurrection just didn't give you forgiveness and eternal life. It changes you to become God's temple. When did this happen? At the resurrection, Jesus, he fulfilled this promise. In three days, he did rebuild the temple. In fact, that temple was destroyed. Not many years after Jesus' resurrection, and that temple to this day is not there, but God's temple, new temple, is alive and well where in your life and in my life, in the body of Christ. So friends, we as the people of God, the ecclesia, the church, we are the new temple that Jesus rose from the dead to create. That was part of the finished work of the cross. Are you aware of this truth, right? Because I think many of us come to Jesus for forgiveness of sin, amen? Many of us, we do want a a second chance at life. We do want to say no to the the, darkness that, that, that used to be our master, right? And we want to worship Jesus as Lord and Savior. But there's something more because it changes us. And more than that, When God says you are the temple of God, it means God intends to now fill us with his presence. Friends, it's interesting that today, as I was thinking about Easter, as we're going through the Old Testament, it's our turn today actually to talk about the book of Haggai. Next week is Malachi, the last book of the Old Testament, and we're going to be going into the New Testament. But, you know, in fact, Haggai has a very important message for all of us regarding this issue of us becoming the temple of God. Look what it says. When Haggai went to see the Israelites who came out of the Babylonian exile, it says, this is what the Lord Almighty says, those people that came back to land after 70 years, this is what they were saying, the time has not yet come to rebuild the Lord's house. How dare they say that, right? Isn't God's presence, isn't his kingdom the most important thing? Then the word of the Lord came through to the prophet Haggai, Is it a time for you yourselves to be living in paneled houses while this house, the temple, remains a, a ruin? And he continues by saying this. Now this is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways. You have planted much but harvested little. You eat but never have enough. You drink but never have your fill. You put on clothes but are not warm. You earn wages only to put them in a purse with holes in it. This is really, there's something wrong with this picture. Seriously wrong, right? Nobody wants to live such a cursed life, right? But this is the people of God back in their land, but they forgot their mission. Just like us as Christians, if we don't understand that what Jesus did for us is not just to give us a ticket out of sin and death and to have our new self in Jesus Christ, but to understand that we are here to now build God's temple together, the same malady, the same condition, the same suffering, and the same A disappointment of life is upon us. Jesus, he makes it clear. God makes it clear. He says, You expected much, but see, maybe he's speaking to us. You believe in Jesus, you're like, Oh, I believe in Jesus. I have the kingdom of God, the power of the resurrection. But see, it turned out to be little. What you brought home, I blew away. Why? I want to know why, God. If you're living in me, why is it that I still suffer? Why is it I still struggle with darkness? Because of my house, which remains a ruin while each of you is busy with your own house. That's talking about our earthly realm, right? God has given us. There's nothing wrong with being busy building your own house, your own family, your career, your your enjoyment, recreation, making money. These are things God is pleased with you. But he wants to, as he did in Haggai and today, remind us when God's house is in ruin, everything you do will be like waste, waste. be meaningless and therefore in Haggai it's even if it's two chapters so powerful because thankfully when they heard this conviction the people of god started to repent and they finished the temple and then god promised them my the glory of this temple will be greater than that temple and he encourages them as they're building it saying remember i am with you and that i will bless you and my my glory will go with you and more importantly he says from this day I will bless you. When the people of God heard a message and started to change their mindset, yes, building your own house is important. Building your life, your career, your vocation is so important. But when you forget God's presence and the temple of God, what you do fails. And God is saying, no, I want you to be fully blessed by my presence wherever you go. Take that same scenario into our lives. And from that moment, God bless them. Maybe for us, that's the small step that needs to take. Realize I am holy. I am a holy temple. My purpose in life is to carry the risen Savior deep within who I am. Look what Jesus says to his disciples. Anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. That's how you build his temple. You got to build it the way he wants The temple, just like eternal life, forgiveness of sin, freedom from a curse, and a new start, being a child of God, all of these blessings God has given you in Jesus... Those things require for you to live in God's way. The moment you leave God's way again, you're going the wrong way against his purpose and plans. But it says, my father will love them and we will come to them and make our home with them. This has been God's plan since the beginning of time. He loves you and he'll never leave you and he'll never forsake you. And he wants to be with you for what? To bless you, to bring more grace upon you. And therefore continues in other places. In Ephesians chapter three, Uh, Paul prays that that the Christ may dwell in our hearts through faith. And finally, here is the greatest phrase in the New Testament that speaks of Jesus, the the new temple in us. It says, the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Friends, this is the whole point of the New Testament. After Jesus Christ, his main goal in accomplishing his work was so that now God will not be around you, close to you in you in fact when we say he made us new it means this he made you and me right now greater than even adam and eve adam and eve they were formed in god's image and they had the glory of god but they but god was around them with them he could hear them see them you think that's amazing but there's something more amazing is now god is in you and that made, that was made possible by jesus death on the cross and his resurrection so friends you've heard people say god is with you right I got something better than that. It's, no, yes, that's true. But no, God is one with you. Can you turn to your neighbor and say this to them? Jesus is one with you because he loves you. Yeah. Yeah, all of a sudden, this resurrection became so real. It's, God is not someone in the future, someone from far away, someone around you, watching over you. I mean, we as parents, yeah, we always watch over our kids. I got a 24-7 Wi-Fi connected, like, view thing. I can see him, what he's doing. I can talk to him, you know. But God has said, no, 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 I know that's amazing. I want to be with you, but no, no, I want to be in you because now I've made you my temple. But my question to you is, what is the condition of the temple today? Have we, like the Israelites, maybe neglected it? Maybe the resurrection for us only means something on Easter Sunday. And every other day, we forget about it, and hopefully next year, I'll be reminded of the resurrection. Or can we, as Jesus intended, to live with the Holy Spirit every day? That's the standard. That's the base of a Christian life. If God is with you, I mean, what are the possibilities, right? But just like the Israelites, God was there, but they neglected his temple, and everything they did that God wanted, they failed. So God is saying, no, 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 no. Jesus finally said, no, 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 I'm going to finish all that. You don't have to worry about it. I'll make it happen. You are a temple of the holy spirit so friends this resurrection is for us a victory why because it transforms us not just giving us a new life in christ uh, eternal life that's amazing but what we really want is to be the home of god what we really want is to know god is with me and nothing can separate me from the presence of god So, friends, this is the calling that God has upon us today as witnesses of this resurrection. It says, Jesus Christ himself as a chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. Can one person contain all of God? No. That's why he has called every single one of us to take a part of the body of Christ and it is so important for us to come together through the resurrection of Christ we are God's temple joined together friends i wanted to perhaps give you guys uh, uh, something tangible for you to take home to be reminded of this truth uh you know in the old, in in the old days when the church was being persecuted uh, do you know what they did to kind of like show to each other they're christians you guys know what i'm talking about the sign of the fish yeah like, if you're hanging out in, in the Lanai food court and, you know, you can't, like, say you're Christian, but you, like, throw a little fish on the on the receipt and you're like, ah, brother, what's up, you know? And then you just, like, worship together and you follow them to where this hidden worship place is, yeah? But today, I want to give you something kind of like that, but to remind us that we're God's temple. Uh, can someone guess what I'm going to give you guys? Just guess out loud, no? Okay. It, it's not Easter eggs, okay. Legos. <laughs> So what I'm going to do is I'm going to just pass it down, and uh, I want you to take, there's 221 uh, pieces here, uh, but it's a representation that I am made you, amen, that when we get together, just bring your Lego with you to church, and just see what happens when you, you know, oh, wow, that's a dog, or like, you know, oh, wow, this is a, you know, you know I don't know what God wants to do, right, but you understand what I'm saying, or just leave it on your shelf somewhere in your room, so when someone visits you they would be like, ah, you're a Christian. You're, you're, a, you're a living temple of the Holy Spirit. So I'm going to do the honors of giving you to him over here. And you can pass it down. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And, uh, yeah, don't take the whole thing. Just uh, take one or two or a handful if you want to share it, okay? But I'm not going to blame you. If you lose it, there's many Legos you can say you, you replaced it. Friends, I'm inviting you today to not only understand that God has come back from the dead for so many blessings that he has given you, But among all of them is to know that God is now in us, that I qualify, right, that I am the the most wealthy. Here's a picture. Do you guys know this place? Anybody know this? It's Buckingham, Buckingham Palace. I don't even know how to say Buckingham. Buckingham, all right. It's, uh, It's where the queen lives, and this is the single most expensive home in all of the world. It's it costs three billion dollars, 775 rooms, and it qualifies as a, as a home because the queen lives there, the royalty lived there. It's not a, it's not a. I mean, of course, there's buildings more expensive than three billion. But friends, that fails to compare the worth of God that He put in you because when He said, "I'm gonna put my Spirit in you," He made you worthy. He made you eternal. He made you holy. He made you righteous. But what What lacks right now is for us to do our part, which is to commit ourselves to say, all right, let's see the fullness of God, the resurrected Lord, alive in us every day of our life. We have no excuse, right? God is not in a location. He's not in some people. He is in all of us, and we can experience the fullness of that as we pray together. Let's pray in this time before the Lord. Ah. Father, we thank you on this day. Lord, we don't know the magnitude of all that has happened, but we know something crazy happened. And Lord God, if we can just hold on to these truths, Lord God, and apply them in our lives, that indeed sin has been defeated. Curse is broken. The blood of Jesus right now is still pouring itself out, forgiving us and giving us the blessing that is for all people. Lord, it has made us new. It changed us. Suddenly in our hearts, we desire the righteous things. Suddenly in our hearts, the sinful uh, uh, habits in our our soul is being broken and washed. But more importantly, God, you're developing us. You're giving us the opportunity to have God living inside of us. Father, that's my prayer, that we will be a resurrection people, that we will know that my identity without a shadow of doubt, with all confidence, yes, God loves me. He lives within me. And we can tell the world, you want to meet Jesus? Come, let's fellowship. Come, let's share a meal. Come, let's go hiking together. Come, come to work for my company. Come, I'll adopt you into my family. There's so many ways that we can see the resurrecting power of God in our lives when we understand this, Lord. So, Father, have your way today as we continue this worship. Lord, may your presence be real in our lives. In Jesus' name.